Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And welcome, everyone. This is another episode of the Mind Sculptors podcast. I am your host, Callahan, and we do have a great show lined up for you all today. Uh, but before we get into all of that, I just want to take a moment to thank you all for joining us this week. If you like this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to like and subscribe and comment below. Uh, really helps us out. If you want access to our Discord server as well as some extra stuff uh, when we get to it, please make sure to head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash sculptures or check out the link in the description. Uh, today, we are going to be going over some... Uh, we're doing another Brewer's Corner episode, and so joining me today is one of the OGs, uh, not only of the Sculpty Boys, but of the format, is uh, my good friend Cobble Clock. Cobble, how you doing today? Doing well. Good to be here. Yeah, good to have you. Um, also joining me today is uh, somebody most people in the CDH community would know and is uh, somebody who has definitely fostered a lot of the... Uh, the growth in the community, I would say, that uh, has happened over the last like four or five years is uh, some might call you the godfather is uh, our good friend Shaper. How are you doing today, man? I'm excellent. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have done the Brewer's Corner episodes a few times in the past, and uh we decided, Cobble and I, we wanted to take a look at some older commanders that uh, haven't been getting much attention recently. And the commander that we landed on for this episode is, of course, Zur the Enchanter. Um, so we're going to do this a little bit differently than we usually do our, uh, uh, our Brewer's Corner episodes. And uh, we're going to just take a look at some of these lists here as we go down. And the first one, of course... Guests are always first. Uh, start off with Shaper's list here. And it's Zer Quasi Turbo. And Shaper, I know this one, uh, for people who are familiar with Zer on the database, this one probably is the closest to what Zer on the database looks like of all of our decks, right? It is. Uh, it differs from about 10 cards from the first list on the database. Okay. So give us a give us a brief overview on this and uh, kind of what's going on with this one. Uh, the high level of, of Zer Quasi Turbo is that we're going to mull for proactivity and we're going to settle for early disruption into an eventual Zer. Um, we are looking to cast an early ad nauseum as Turbo does. Uh, we are also willing to uh, sit on our haunches a little bit, wait for people to get disrupted and uh, hit Necropotence with Xur, which will exert kind of a similar force to an ad nauseum in propelling you into enough card advantage to overwhelm the table and win the game, sometimes in one turn, sometimes over the course of a couple turns. Um, 
In general, we are trying to find hands that are very impactful early, maybe an early wheel or an early ad nauseum or an early raw necropotence or uh, early draw engines alongside disruption. And we're going to settle for, for hands that are uh, able to, to exert a little disruption on turn one and two, play an eventual Xur and get us to the wing con in the same way. Um, so we're going to be a little uh, relatively conservative in the early turns uh, unless we have something really exciting to do. Uh, we're going to be willing to keep hands full of mana with a little bit of disruption, some stacks, some counter spells. Um, we play a suite of tactful bears that are going to kind of stop the most degenerate things that are going on at most tables. Um, uh, some efficient counters, and we're playing a few hard counters uh, for the late game in order to make sure that we are able to stop what needs to be stopped while we're taking advantage of the table. Right. And this is pretty low to the ground. You're not playing stuff like Force of Will. You're not playing stuff like uh, Fierce Guardianship, correct? I am playing. I am playing both of those. You, the organization on these. Excuse me. Never mind. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It's it's the mana cost. I'm all set to zero. Okay. Just for my own. Sorry about that. Oh, you're fine. I'm the one who looks obnoxious here. <laughs> yeah, we can. Uh, yeah. But uh, so, it, so you're definitely trying to you know be a little bit more proactive. Um, now, the 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 big thing here with this list, I would say is what would you say is the big difference uh, between this and the ones that are on the database right now? Um, this is running a little bit more disruption. Uh, a few pieces of tech that I think are quite appropriate for the current meta. Um, it's not running uh, Peer into the Abyss. I think we have enough forward gas that we don't need that. And Peer is a little bit of a struggle to cast without specifically Dockside or some other large mana engine. Um, and we're not trying to play certain pieces of tech that enable Peer, such as Culling the Weak with our, our low creature count and whatnot. Um, we're kind of filling a lot of those slots with uh, some hardy disruption, a little bit of a little bit extra ramp and uh, just a few pieces of spicy tech. OK. So when we take a look at uh, sort of some of the more wind con pieces of this, right? Um, what are the wind cons for this list? We are all in on uh, console and. Oracle, Labman, and Chase. Thus, mm -hmm. um, Oracle will be our most the most efficient of those, and uh, Laboratory Maniac and Jace kind of offer some uh, some consistency in finding one of those effects. Say when uh, when we're looking through Necropotence cards, um, they also sit on the board longer than Thus's Oracle trigger does, so it enables us to uh, have win cons around certain pieces of stacks. Say that only let us cast one spell a turn, or tax our mana to the point where we would need to exert our win con over multiple turns. Okay. And kind of looking at some of the more key cards for say, right? Like you, Adnaz is certainly going to be, a, or excuse me, Necropotence is certainly going to be a, a key card, right? Mm -hmm. um, also, yeah, Adnaz and Necropotence are probably the most the most key cards of the deck um, alongside of our win cons. Also worth uh, highlighting is Chains of Mephistopheles in our enchantment yeah. suite. Um, so once you swing Zur, Zur for... Necropotence. The when you untap with all of your Necropotence cards, um, a lot of the, you'll have an extra Zur swing. Uh, so you can either use that, for example, to grasp or fade away some stacks that's preventing you from comboing. You can grab Copy Artifact to have a little extra mana on your turn. 
Um, you can play Mystic Remora as kind of a shield to have some draw over your Laboratory Maniac in the event of Abrupt Decays. Um, there's some tech. But uh, a lot of the times we, we will want to swing Zer for chains and then cast a wheel, which should strip everybody of their hands and enable us to then take over the game between Zer and uh, Necrobones. So right. um, a lot of a lot of the focus uh, will be to um, the very turn after Necropotence, you need to either win the game or close out the game in a lot of ways. Uh, and, he, and Chains is one of the mechanisms with which you can do that, only needing one extra card on top of Chains, specifically uh, a wheel. Right. So it offers you a little extra consistency in assembling a soft lock with Xur that will help you close out. Awesome. That's really cool. I had never thought about Chains in that regard. Um Looking at some of the more different type of stuff that you're playing in this, uh, I know you're playing, uh, you are who turned me on to Mind Break Trap, actually. Um, but Mind Break Trap, Copy Artifact, Mnemonic Betrayal, Lightning Greaves, uh, what are kind of the thoughts with those as kind of your uh, tech from um, this deck? Mind Break Trap is a piece of tech that I think is pretty strong in the current meta with a lot of people uh, playing strategies that revolve around casting multiple rituals into a large payoff spell like Nas or Peer into the Abyss. Mm -hmm. um, it lets you uh, importantly tap out for Xur while still holding up uh, some some level of disruption on top of the stack. Um, Force of Will is a pretty strong card and uh, Mindbreak Trap <laughs> actually um, offers a little extra force in being able to exile any number of target spells that can that can be relevant occasionally in large stack wars, which sometimes are what turn on the mind break trap um, and can let you blow out stacks in ways that uh, give it a little extra oomph, as it were. Right. And uh, stuff like Lightning Greaves, uh, this is one of the interesting things that we'll touch on later, um, but you're the only one of the three of us that's playing Lightning Greaves. What's uh, kind of the thought process there? I'm playing Lightning Greaves in all the builds I'm going to be talking about today. Um, I think it's a really powerful enable for, enabler for Xur. Um, it lets you kind of, uh, it cuts a turn off of how long your Xur takes to kind of overtake the game. Mm -hmm. um, and it also really importantly doesn't let people remove it uh, after uh, the Greaves are equipped. Um, a lot of people are foregoing creature removal for uh more flexible interaction maybe stack interaction to protect their early wins and that sort of thing so um it's becoming more and more uh rare to see board wipes in cdh right um uh, that's certainly true <laughs> yeah we're, we're seeing we're seeing a lot less toxic deluge we're seeing uh dam as new tech um but only very rarely it's in a difficult color combination and um it's sorcery speed half leaves some some to be desired but uh, in general, we're seeing people be very greedy on their actual creature removal, which I think benefits Xur, uh, even in his base case, but even more if you're able to attach a lightning grease to him. Yeah, for sure. That makes a whole lot of sense, uh, especially uh, in the from the access of being able to get it going a turn earlier, right? Mm -hmm. um, second list you brought for us. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I was a... Uh, also going to mention that uh, Mind Break Trap is actually interesting uh, tech alongside Lightning Greaves because um, when you swing Xur with the Lightning Greaves, you will have paid for Xur's cost, which leaves you with less mana to act disruptively over the turn pass. And so the density of free counters is kind of important if you want to uh, make it back to your turn uh, and not have people win in the interim. So mm -hmm. playing Mind Break Trap and Fierce Guardianship alongside Lightning Greaves uh, uh, actually bolsters your hits in that regard. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, 
Go ahead. I was actually just going to step in and ask kind of the the elephant in the room. So Xur has been declining in its and how much play it's been seeing in the metagame for several years. And, you know, if you talk to one person, they'll say, oh, it's because uh, if you want to play fast, if you want to play the fast game, then you, you need to have access to red. Or, you know, if you want to be able to race whatever is happening at the table, you need to be playing Cody, or you need to be, you know, doing something that doesn't require you to get three mana and a... a uh, haste enabler um, onto the battlefield before you quote unquote do your thing. Um, how do you feel about Xur within the context of the current meta, the way that people have been thinking about Xur for five years? Um, I think Xur's decline in popularity is more about what's in vogue than anything about Xur itself. I think Xur is quite strong as he stands right now. Um, I do uh, I do think there's some accuracy in saying that it's difficult to consistently race red decks without um, without red yourself. But I do think that we have enough tools to be disruptive. Um, and I also think that uh, people aren't not playing those tools themselves. And so having the fastest decks run into counter walls or uh, encourage people to deck construct around them and stop them proactively, uh, I think benefits uh, things like Xur, where we not only have the fast, fast-ish fast ad nauseum plan ourselves, but we also have uh, the Xur and wait plan, which we can put on the board multiple times, and people are not really intending to interact with that as much as they are intending to interact with uh, you know quick spell casts, Dockside, and that sort of thing in general. So I think, there's, I think there's some good room to trip the person who's running fastest and win the race herself. Right. right, And I, I, I think that just, it, it needs to be underscored that. And I, I tried to underscore that with the title here. We're, we're calling this Zero quasi turbo. We're not, <laughs> we're not the most turbo deck at the table, but we are going right. very fast and uh, we kind of have to play appropriately. And you have to think about your deck in that manner. Right. When you're five years ago, Zer Zer would have been, yes. Like five years ago, Zer would have been a fast deck because of the tools that were available in the meta. Mm-hmm. And, um, the way that we approach Xur just needs to incorporate the changes that we've seen in in that time. And we just kind of need to uh, adopt a new frame for how it is that we're thinking about approaching Xur. Well, and that's kind of the the rationale for this entire episode, right? Like, yeah, uh, we, we look at it and I, I think this is one of the things that are more interesting is I feel like a lot of the lists that we see generally for Xur um, tend to be working on one of two axes, in my opinion, and they tend to be working either on this axis of uh, using uh, more of that old school uh, approach that we used to see with the shimmer lines and all those different things, which uh, I, I am on record for saying that I actually still think shimmer lines are fine. It's just we need to find a different way of making them work. But um, so you have that going on, but then you also have the decks that feel like they should be Timna Malcolm decks that are Zer decks. And I don't feel like they're getting the most out of their builds. Is that like a fair thing to say in your opinion? Or I personally would find it hard to be attracted to Timna Malcolm over Zer. I'll just say that straightforwardly. 
Um, swinging Zur is a lot more powerful than swinging a creature with Timna, and uh, I, that's just where I would personally prefer to be. Um, I do think you you have your tools are a little more distributed when you're playing Timna Malcolm, and uh, that enables you to like have some resiliency. Where if people are determined to just answer your Zur over and over again, uh, you might rather be playing Timna Malcolm. But I think uh, if I'm showing up to a to a new pod, I would rather just uh, play Zur. Right. Well, it's interesting. So we talked about your philosophy with wanting to use Xur um, to be a little bit more disruptive. So that brings us to our next list that we're going to be looking at here. And uh, that is probably the most disruptive of all of the uh, the Xur list we're going to be talking about today. And that is Xur stacks. And so looking at this list, um, just kind of give us the overview of it. What's this? the over overview of what this deck is doing? So we are looking to be disruptive first. We're looking at what people are doing in the meta right now that puts out the fastest clock, which is Dockside, Ad Nauseam, Storming Really Quickly, Wheels, uh, that sort of thing. And we are looking to see how we can play a high density of pieces that disrupt them, um, play Zer out eventually uh, once people are sufficiently uh, slogging through your stacks pieces, or we're going to swing for Necropotence, which will offer us card advantage, some counters, uh, that sort of thing, and usually is what lets you take over the game. You're generally not swinging for stacks pieces first. Um, and then we're kind of riding our Xur through the rest of the game, uh, plugging up the holes that our opponents are uh, kind of able to escape through, um, and then eventually winning the game with a combo that we're able to tutor off Xur completely, which is uh, Heliod and Ballista, which we can get with Artificer's Intuition. Which is interesting that you're going for this wincon. You're not playing Thoracle. You do have Labman in this. Um, Thoracle is shut off by a lot of our pieces. Um, right. It doesn't really like to see Rule of Law, which we are hardlining. I think we have six copies in here. Uh, it, it's quite it's a few. Diffi- <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's um, you, you are able to play through a Rule of Law with uh, specifically Tainted Pact and Thassa's Oracle. Um, but it is just, it's just kind of easier to play around your lab man and also focus on this, uh, zero card combo out of the command zone. Uh, you're really, you're really focused on, uh, trying to resolve and protect Xur all the way to victory in, in this build more so than the other builds where if Xur gets removed, you still have some, uh, really strong game independent plans, which we do have here, but, uh, I think your, your slots here are more focused on disruption and you'll, you'll turtle a little bit without your Xur. Right. Now, you do have a card in here um, that I think is very interesting and is uh, we talked about board wipes and nobody's playing board wipes. Well, you're playing one of my new favorite board wipes uh, is Winds of Abandon. And so for the people at home who have looked at this card and go, well, why do we want to give our opponents lands? Explain the thought process behind this over something like Dam. Um, So the primary thing here is that we don't want to wipe our hate bears, which are really important for stopping everyone. So we're kind of looking at asymmetrical board wipes, which should be uh, mostly Cyclonic Rift and uh, Winds of Abandon in our colors. Um, We do need to kind of clear out creatures. It's kind of an important thing for us to do because of our reliance on life total with Necropotence specifically. Um, And also uh, in in the meta right now, um, a lot of the most aggressive decks that people are playing are forgoing basics. Uh, mostly because Dockside helps you skirt around uh, meta denial pieces that would normally hose you if you don't play basics. Um, and thus people are cutting those non-basic hate pieces. And it's kind of a self-reinforcing cycle. Um, so people are not really worried about that. They're not trying, they're trying to be greedy on their colors and whatnot. So we're not really worried too much about them pulling out lands. 
We're also um, in general in this build. Uh, it is a stacks build, but it's not really trying to mana deny. Um, I'm not playing very many mana denial pieces, if any at all, in here. Um, and we're mostly trying to restrict people's lines that they're playing via rule of law or uh, things like counterbalance or exile via rest in peace. Um, we're really trying to choke out their lines and options more so than their mana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I am going to go on the record and say that I think that this is probably one of the most underrated cards in the meta right now. Um, in the four games that I've got to resolve this card, I have won all four of them. Uh, it is quite strong. I, I think the exile ability overloaded, I think, is very undervalued. Um, but that is, you know. That's how I feel about it. Uh, but so when you look at some of the more key cards, obviously we've got uh, those pieces. You're playing the full suite of rule of law effects. Uh, any other key cards that we should keep an eye out in this list? Um, so we are playing counterbalance and senses divining top, which uh, together form not, not quite a soft block, but uh, the ability to um, counter any kind of repeated spell casts, um, deny people value engines essentially for free uh, if, if for every every time we can line up a hit. Uh, it also pairs really well with Necropotence to have a counterbalance in play um, because if you know that your top card doesn't match, you can just exile it with Necropotence and perhaps even dig deeper on your top underneath that. Um, we're also playing Chains of Mephistopheles for similar, similar, we're similarly, uh, we have a wheel in the deck to uh, do these soft lops, lock strip, um, but we're also just trying to passively deny, say, partner draw from Tim McCrom and Thrasios, which Chains is fairly good at doing. Um, we've got Grasp of Fate. I, we're running that in most, most of our decks, but we really need to uh, shut off things that pour out too much advantage um, or stacks pieces that shut us off. Sometimes no rods can be awkward for Zer. Right. Um, Chalice of the Void and Sanctum Prelate, I think, are really good choices, particularly with the saturation that some of us are seeing with Cody in the metagame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how dependent Cody is on resolving one CMC spells. Um, we've also got a very, a pretty extensive package of uh, artifacts that we we're able to tutor with some combination of Artificer's Intuition and Urza's Saga. Um, uh, Ballista being the wind con that kind of exists in that sphere. Um, also finding Chalice, which can hose a lot of different strategies in a lot of different ways, and we're pretty equipped to play around it with the way that uh, Zer pulls in enchantments. Um, I'm running Pithing Needle. I think it's very important for a deck like this to be able to shut off uh, specifically Thrasios and Kenrith abilities. Um, they're one of also the... Also Jessica. Also Jessica. Um, there are there are just some activated ability commanders that uh, are pose that pose difficulty for us in the late game with how much draw they're able to put out, and we kind of need to stem the bleeding somewhat there. Um, needles an okay way to do that. You might forgo the needle if you're not facing down that specifically. Um, we've got Graft Digger's Cage, which uh, works against Breach and also works against the really strong green tutors that pull in creatures directly. Um, we've got top counterbalance, obviously. Uh, the Artificer's Intuition finds the top, as it were. Uh, and we've got, you know, mana we can pull in, I guess, as well. And that kind of constitutes the Artificer's Intuition toolbox. I just, I'm just going to say it. I love this list so much. Artificer's Intuition is so hot. 
I love this card in this. It's also, it's also very easy to uh, pay for its cost of discarding an artifact when you have so many cards rolling it off Necropotence. Right. Uh, um, so basically you get Necropotence first, you plug whatever hole like must be plugged with maybe your second Zer Swing. Then you put the Artificer's Intuition on the board and you can plug whatever holes you need to plug with that. Um, and then you have Heliod to either pad your life with Necropotence uh, or win the game when you're ready. Yeah, this is this is such a cool list. Um, looking at our next list, we are moving over now to Cobblepot, and your list kind of takes uh, a similar approach in some regards, uh, while also being a little bit more of a reanimator deck. And you've teased this on Twitter uh, about uh, Zer, and uh, you know I'm just going to go ahead and say the name of the deck. We're doing Razor Cats. Or Razor Cats. Razor Cats. That I makes think. more sense. Yeah. So Cobble, give us a little bit of an overview of this. What are we doing here in this? All right. This is this is sort of a straddling a balance between stacks and more mid-range uh, kind of action. So the idea is that you aren't trying to get Zer out as fast as you can. You're not trying to race the table. You're trying to play conservatively and disrupt the table. Mm-hmm. And that's mainly going to be through things that are, you know, attacking the hand like Chains of Mephistopheles. Uh, I've been very happy with Blind Obedience, um, just particularly against Dockside and particularly against post nos or post-Necro, you know, fast mana. Um, and it also doubles as a way to you know, gain life to be able to stay buoyant when you do have a Necropotence in play. Um, I got Rule of Law effects in here. But the the only rule of law effects that I have are creature oriented so that when you get Razaketh into play, you can sacrifice them to Razaketh and then not be under the same uh, you know restrictions uh, to be able to combo off in that moment. Uh, but it, it, so it's, it's running it's running both the Oracle consult package and the Heliod ballista package, just depending on how much mana you have access to. And what the circumstances of of what the table texture are, you know, the being able to go, you know, fast and low versus, um, you know, more slow and more methodical is, you know, you know, having that flexibility is mm-hmm. is is very useful. Um, let's see here, the reanimation part is 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 really nice just because there's so many uh, cheap enchantments that offer you that ability so you can entomb or unmarked grave a you know consecrated sphinx or notion thief or razaketh or elish norn uh, depending on the circumstances uh, and then just swing with zur to be able to get them into play without casting a spell and uh, you know just be able to value people out of the game um, if the circumstances are such that you can't just win on the spot. Right. So it, it, it's got a lot of flexibility. It's got a lot of interaction and um, it is, is not going to race the table, but it will be able to um, grind very well through the long game. Right. So when we're looking at this, what are some of the, the key pieces of this, this list? Like you said, it is running the, the uh, some of these creature-based 
uh, rule of law effect, similar to how like uh, regular Razakats has that um, ability to sack your uh, collector oof to tur- come give come back to your combo, right? Right, and and this is doing very much the same thing. Um, I I think Shaper's absolutely right that the the first thing that you get with your your Zer swing is generally going to be Necropotence just to keep your hand full, and then after that you start placing the things that are most needed to be able to disrupt what's going on. Right. In a lot of cases, that's going to be rule of law. So you're going to go and get your Eidolon of Rhetoric and uh, try to protect that on the table. Uh, getting the the Chains of Mephistopheles with a wheel is also really good, especially since we're on reanimation. So um, we can strip everybody's hand and then uh, get ourselves a new hand and then still swing with Zur to be able to uh, grab whatever... Uh, we want out of the graveyard or anybody right. else's graveyard. So um, there's a lot of flexibility to be able to make lines emerge kind of in a uh, free kind of non-rote way. So um, the way a lot of, of the, the really fast decks play, it's it's very... Um, programmatic almost because they're they're very repetitive in the in the lines that you see this is very free um so if you're able to think on your feet there's a lot of different things you can put together that people might not see coming right uh you mentioned that blind obedience was kind of your your hot tech that you're really high on in this uh any any reason in your mind that blind obedience shouldn't be in maybe more lists or what are your kind of thoughts on blind obedience overall? I feel like blind obedience doesn't get the play that uh, it should. It Yes, it only um, disrupts for a single turn, you know, the, as things are coming down. But most of the ways that people win are, you know, they are not, you know, uh, accumulated over a certain amount of turns a lot of people will win very quickly uh by either you know throwing down a dockside or you know casting an ad nause and then throwing down all their uh, their mana and then going off so being able to stop people from doing that it 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 winds up being sort of a a rule of law in effect in some ways that can Mm -hmm. also keep your life um high enough for you to be able to you know, be out of the red zone. Right. So, Cobble, I see that you have three primary reanimation targets here. You have Razaketh, Elishnorn, and Consecrated Sphinx. Could you tell yeah. us a little bit about why you chose these three specific targets? Right. So, um, Razaketh is, I mean, the obvious one just because the, the idea is this is a hate bear list for the most part. So, um, there's always going to be fodder for you to feed to Razaketh to be able to put together a win. Um, generally an A plus B win condition. And um, Razaketh also allows you, like I said before, to be able to uh, remove rule of law kind of things that would keep you from being able to uh, cast more than one spell, for instance, uh, Demonic Consultation and and Tassos Oracle. Elish Norn is phenomenal for games where there's either, you know, another Stax player or there's uh, people playing Timna or... Uh, Najila or you know a, a ton of there's a lot of decks that just cannot do what they need to do 
uh, through an Elish Norn on the it's table. It's also so. just a cobble pot classic, too, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, there's there. It's it's a, a very useful card, and yeah. and you know, as as the way that you know, Shaper had specified that there is a very uh, very small presence of board wipes that we're seeing, um, and there's a lot of important cards. Like you know, opposition agent and notion thief and uh, you know, uh, grand abolisher and you know, void walker and all of these different cards that just disappear and are no longer a problem if you know in perpetuity as long as Elish Norn is on the table. So, and given the way that it stymies very specific commanders, it's uh, it's very useful to be able to choose that with an entomb and be able to just put it right onto the battlefield. Right. As far as uh, Consecrated Sphinx goes, this is, um, it's just going to give you cards just, you know, consistently. And even if there is a rule of law, um, so the other card generation that we have is, you know, Ristic Study and Mystic Remora and Esper Sentinel. All of those things are dependent on the tempo of the game. And if you've got a rule of law going on, then those cards are going to underperform than what, what you would see uh, compared to like, you know, just a, a non-rule of law, everybody going as fast as they can kind of a table. So uh, Consecrated Sphinx is a good contrast to those types of uh, card advantage just because it's going to draw you, you know, two cards for every single player, every rotation. And uh, if you, you know, grab a wheel or something like that, it's even better. So uh, it allows you to be able to uh, blend the types of card advantage that you're that you're getting out of the game. So one card that I might gravitate away from in this list, and I'm curious how you're intending to use it, would be Wishclaw Talisman. Um, in these kind of longer games, it it's difficult to let other people tutor. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you plan to use Wishclaw? Um, so generally, the Wishclaw is to get a specific card that I, in a lot of cases it's to get um, protection. So like, like only in the case where uh, you don't have a rule of law in play or you've got your Razaketh, you've just had Razaketh come up and you've sacrificed a couple of hate bears to him to assemble a win. And then you maybe only have one piece of, interaction in your hand to protect the combo um wishclaw talisman is just an extra pair of it, it's it's an extra interaction piece that costs one mana basically so you just for one mana go and find your fierce guardianship or impact of negation as an extra layer of protection on the turn that you're trying to go off yep i also see that you can grab your opposition agent as well um so yes. it does have some early disruptive uses that you know, don't don't give your opponent like a really truly useful wishcloth talisman, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, I I really like this list. I I got it. I gotta tell you, you're running swords the plowshares, and that's mm-hmm. that's the good that's the good news, because uh, right, evidently people have decided that swords isn't good anymore. Um, oh, they're wrong. Absolutely, I I agree with you there. Uh, so the next card or deck we're going to talk about here is actually my deck. 
um, which is Zerrector. Uh, anybody who's been following me for any amount of time on uh, Twitter uh, or in the Discord servers that we're around in is that I have been doing a lot of brewing around the two rectors of Academy Rector and Arena Rector. Uh, I think they have very powerful effects. And uh, I think it's very similar uh, to uh, a lot of what Cobble talked about because uh, it it works the same way of, hey, I have an unmarked grave, I have a Xur, and I can assemble a combo. Um, so... There's there's a couple couple things with this, right? Uh, so your overall game plan is we're trying to reanimate uh, a arena rector or you know some form of a Thassa's oracle or something like that, and then win with a cons uh, console. Um, Academy rector in this is less good as it is in green based decks where you're able to layer stuff with pattern of rebirth. Uh, which is a big uh, knock, I would say, against against it. But it does have a lot of utility in being able to grab other uh, enchantments that we want, uh, as well as being kind of like a acting as like a doubles or almost. Um, the biggest biggest thing with this is, I think, the weirdest card I'm probably running is uh i don't know i'm probably gonna get questions about this is uh sore and vengeful blood lord and that acts as a like second uh re like it's really there for the density of uh reanimate spells uh we generally are going to be using that to reanimate something much smaller uh and it's also has some utility and that it's uh plus one is able to remove some Creatures that might be bothering us on the board help tempo out, also gain us a little bit of life. It's not a lot, but it matters, especially when you're on a Necropotence plan. Uh, you know, we do run Necropotence. Um, so far with this list, it's been an interesting deck to play. It plays very differently than my other Rector lists, um, but it has been very fun to play so far. Um I'm sure you guys have questions uh, about the way I'm I, I built the list. My 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 main question is generally when you see uh, creature oriented plans, mm -hmm. um, you know, you expect green to be part of the the picture just because of survival of the fittest and mm -hmm. you know all of the, the the green tutor capacity with eldritch evolution, neoform, all those kinds of things. Um, what sorts of tools do you have to help you be more consistent in getting one of your rectors? Uh, well, we're playing stuff like Recruiter of the Guard. Um, Recruiter of the Guard uh, ends up being uh, a direct tutor to both of the uh, rectors in this uh, situation. It also is able to get sack outlets, uh, which is very important. Um, it We also run probably... We run all the tutors that we can run as well as like Diabolic Intent, which acts as like a sack outlet on its own. Uh, running Unmarked Grave and Tomb, uh, you know, all those sorts of things, uh, including Wishclaw Talisman, where usually kind of in the same sense with Cobble, where if we're using Wishclaw Talisman, we're probably using it to 
attempt to do either a win or something quite powerful with it. I really uh, like the inclusion of Wandering Archaic. Yeah. Um, I wanted to try to keep that card in my list, but I, I think that um, I would need to be a little bit more in on uh, Rule of Law yeah. to, to qualify it, just because of how well uh, Archaic works with a Rule of Law on the, on the battlefield, giving you kind of, in effect, as many counter spells as everybody else has, in addition yep. to whatever spell it is that you want to be able to cast. Um, I wish that, that card saw a little bit more play, and I think, I'd like to see it here. I, I, I like it here. I like it in all of my Rector lists because it, uh, in the ones with green, it ends up being like a, uh, like a, um, what's it, a neoform target, right? Because you can neoform one of your rectors into an archaic, um, and which is really nice. Uh, the the other thing that I like for it with rector based strategies is it lets you kind of have a little bit of extra protection when you're trying to do those things. Um, it doesn't stop opposition agent, but it can let you if you're trying to point removal at an opposition agent be able to double up on some of the counter magic that might be pointed at your removal spell. Um, so I, I've been a big fan of Wandering Archaic. I know that I wasn't a fan of it originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I Everybody can change. Yeah. I, I can change. You can change. It's, I, I, you can tell Ethan I've ate my shorts um, or Ian that I've, I've eaten my shorts. So uh, I have, I have done that, but. Yeah, it's, this has been a fun list. I, I've been really, really enjoying playing around with Rector builds recently. It's It's been really neat to experiment with them. What would you say are your most tutored targets with Academy Rector? With Academy Rector, it honestly depends on what the board texture is looking like. Um, usually what I'm getting with that is something that is going to be a piece of redundancy to some extent. So we've got like stuff like copy artifact, which can uh, play that role. Sometimes I also really like grasp of fate and Ristic study. Um, and of course, counterbalance. So, and once I kind of get those things moving, Academy Rector ends up being better. Uh, and it's also one of, it's also important to note that if your Zer gets removed, it allows you to still do some of your Zer stuff if Zer's not around. Um, so if you can't afford to be casting into Zer over and over, recast it, wait a turn. You can you still have Academy Rector there to help you get some of your reanim reanimation targets rolling. Um, so it ends up helping with that. Um, so like it just like it just kind of depends on what's going on on the board, really. Which sounds super like I'm not giving you a real answer. But <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like everything's it, contextual, right? It, it, it seems really nice. So the, the, the pattern of play that a lot of these lists are having is you get your Zer um, into a, a place where he can swing and still be protected and you get your Necropotence and then you wait a rotation and then you get something else to forward your game plan and having the option of doing two things on that turn as, as opposed to just one 
you know, going and getting the Necropotence and getting Chains of Mephistopheles or, you know, going and getting the Necropotence and Counterbalance or whatever it is that is going to help you to be able to uh, oppress what it is that people are doing on the board. Um, I mean, that seems uh, fairly useful. What tech would you say is just on the fringe of you being willing to put in here? Is there anything anything stand out that just uh, almost quite makes the build? Any rector targets? Uh, there are. So I've actually fiddled around with omniscience quite a bit in this one, um, and this actually because originally in my Thrasios Timna build uh, with that I had omniscience and enter the infinite in that build, um, and. That ended up coming out and I tested it in this list a little bit. I might put it back in to give Rector a little bit more uh, Academy Rector, a little bit more legs. Um, But Omniscience is one of those weird cards where I've just had so many experiences where I've like drawn it. And then you just kind of are like, well, hope I get brainstormed. (laughs) Like (laughs) you're just like, all right. Oh, this is fun. And you never want to be in a position, uh, especially in a deck like this, where you are actively tutoring for brainstorm. Uh, and that's that's kind of why I cut it from my other lists, too, because you just kind of get in a position where you are actively trying to get the card in your hand, not into your graveyard, but back into your library, which is hard. Um, so it, it's kind of on the fringe of it. I also think uh, Liliana Death's Majesty is another card that one could argue is a little bit better than Soren in this. Um, my experience with Soren has been that it's a little bit more agreeable to hard cast than Liliana. Um, being four mana versus five mana, uh, I think is important. And I think having redundancy for, uh, you can tell I played a lot of Sadisi Brood Tyrant because I layer everything. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'd wonder about um, adding Smothering Tithe uh, as a way to help support those situations where Omniscience gets stuck in your hand or something like yeah. that. Uh, because I don't think there's there's ever a time that you've got a smothering tie, then you're lacking mana. So it's true. Um, one spicy piece of tech that I'll half sell you on. I just want to point out an interesting line. Uh, if you play Oblivion Ring with Sir, if you're able to animate dead, uh, say a Rector, you can Oblivion Ring the animate dead to sacrifice it. Um, I was I've been thinking I've been trying to think if there's any sacrifice enchantments that uh, you can <laughs> swing for, but I'm sure you've looked and there doesn't seem to be very many. Yeah, um, it, I, I've done a uh, fair because there's like O-Ring and then there's uh, there's another one. Um, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. There's two. Detention um, Sphere? Yeah, that's it. Um, and I, I think it's nice, but I think ultimately it feels a little bit, um, in my opinion, like I, I feel like I'd rather play something that uh, isn't as it, it feels loose, I guess, is what I'm getting. Here's, at. here's another piece of tech that does the same thing as Oblivion Ring. Uh, aura of Silence as a throwback. Oh, God. Uh, yes. You can you can Aura of Silence sack to destroy your Dance of the Dead and kill your Rector. That's hilarious. Actually. Food, for, food for thought. You might have sold me on that. That's that's hilarious. I dig that so much. 
Um, you could run attrition. Attrition. <laughs> I am under no uh, false uh, ideas that this deck is like great or anything for what it's worth. I, I think it's fun to play. And I think it was like, it's kind of been my ongoing experiment with the, the shell to kind of see where it works, um, which has been a fun experiment. But Contamination um, might also be an interesting one. I'm also looking at Aura Flux at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice enchantments unless you pay two. Ooh. That's fine. <laughs> that's probably that's probably not. I, I mean it does it does actually let you uh like sacrifice your enchantments with Zer, but we're probably playing too much um, right. important too many important enchantments, but yeah. Yeah. Uh but on to the next list. We've got several here is uh Another list here from Shaper, and this is kind of a different one from what we've seen so far. And this is Zer Turns. And uh, so tell us a little bit about Zer Turns here, Shaper. So this is clearly the spiciest build that I've brought to the table today. <laughs> I just want to spoil one thing. Trade Roots is in this freaking deck for crying yeah. out loud. So Trade like, Roots is kind of the central motivating card here. Um, it is an enchantment that allows you to pay one to bounce a land. And what we're doing with that is we're using Mystic Sanctuary to uh, continue taking turns with our enchantments. And as you might realize with Xur, uh pulling a couple enchantments out quickly ends the game. Um, so if you're able to establish a turn loop, you're pretty, it's pretty easy to close the game out with, say, the Heliod combo that we've been running or manually assembling a console or anything like that. Um, turns, uh, this, this list is sort of inspired by um, both some things that are going on in Mono Blue Brewing and, uh, and Paco, actually. Um, <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of in a similar zone where uh, like Paco or Xur kind of acts as your... Uh, um, your card advantage engine, and you're going to play disruptively around it and then take some extra turns, which should yield you so much value that you just win the game. And it'll be difficult for your opponents to decide whether or not they, they must counter your turn spells because um, it's kind of difficult to want to counter just an extra turn when, you know, somebody could be casting something much scarier. Right. So take me through some of this list because this list is a trip i'm telling you i love this list um you're of course doing the heliod ballistas thing uh but you're also doing uh some stuff with trade routes specifically man couldn't get that word out of my mouth specifically you're doing stuff with trade routes and trying to loop mystic sanctuary correct yep that's correct um yeah, the motivating idea here is to play disruptively until you are able to get your Xur down, kind of take control of the game. Once you have a Xur in play, if you're able to cast a turn, you should usually be able to, to kind of close things out. Right. Um, one of the big gates here to this strategy is that you do need an excess of islands. Um, so uh, we're playing a couple extra ones to bolster that. Maybe just one extra one is all we can really afford. Um, <laughs> uh but yeah, essentially that's the that's the main plan. Uh, and, and then looking at like some of the more spicier pieces of this list, like what are kind of some of the the tech that people might look at and, and tilt their heads so at? It may it may not be obvious, but uh, there is there's a little tension here with the strategy in which um, you're trying to take extra turns, but your necropotence prevents you from having a draw step to then draw your uh, say a card that you've put on top of Mystic Sanctuary, mm -hmm. and so um, 
Necropotence uh, may have not already come out yet at that point, um, or may it may just have you may stumble into some awkward timings in which you need to draw your your turn. Um, and we're going to do that with Dress Down, um, the probably the the highest value enchantment that draws a card. So uh, that's that's a, a piece of tech that has a really specific purpose that might not be obvious. Um, we're also playing. Um, Baral and Sapphire Medallion, which are kind of unusual choices, but they help us get our turn out and also help us ramp to Xur. Um, also, you know, blue cards are abundant here. Dress dress down as a cantrip officer. I love it. Yeah. Very unfortunately, it doesn't work with Lab Man, but we're, we're doing our best to work around that and some other brews I'm working on. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh but yeah, things are things are mostly straightforward here. There's not there's not too much spicy tech that will make you turn your head. Besides, you know the the whole turn plan and right. uh, you know some of the some of the accessories here. Um, there's a you know fairly high level card quality in this build, I would say. Yeah, so you're still doing ad nauseum. You're still on intuition. You're still on all that all that good stuff. You're still, of course, playing the the ultimate Zerland of Urza Saga. Yeah, uh, and so. Uh, Cobble, what are your kind of thoughts on this list as we're looking through it? I think that it, it looks really interesting. Um, you know, any list that's running, you know, Baral and Sapphire Medallion to be able to uh, get uh, to that five mana uh, more quickly, uh, that just kind of uh, warms my cockles. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I think that it's uh, it, it's it's a really... It's 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 a really interesting take uh, because it's not a direction that is obvious right. for Zer, and I I think that that's kind of what's beautiful about this list is that it is you know just taking one card trade routes and <laughs> how can we use this to create an engine that we can exploit and um, it's, it's it's very clever and. And it's one of those things where, I mean, yes, it's kind of memey, but it does it. It looks. I haven't played it, but I mean, it on paper, it looks like it can actually get there and 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 do the thing. Um, one other spicy interaction I kind of want to point out is that uh, trade routes can bounce your Urza Saga, which can let you uh, continue making tokens. <laughs> so in in some stacks games, there may be a scenario in which making extra constructs will help you close out the game. Just a dream of mine, but. Perhaps. So, looking at our next list, this is this is another list that uh, I'm I'm personally very excited about. Is uh, Cobble's second list that we're going to be looking at today, and that's Zer Bag. Um, so, <laughs> take us through. We're, we've got some more Shadow Bag check here. Uh, take yeah. us through this list, and uh, for some of the people who might not be familiar with Shadow Bag, what it's trying to do, and all that. Sure. So this is just um, more of a meme than anything else. But the idea was to uh, apply the shadow bag apparatus to Xur, since Xur is very central around Necropotence. Shadow bag is something that was designed to increase the conversion rate of post Necro wins during the end step. So uh, rather than the one of the canonical uses of, of necropotence where people just uh, they necro for a lot and then play an extra turn spell or you know wait for the next turn with 
a you know very strong seven or something like that. Uh, it instead uses instant speed reanimation along with uh, discard outlets, um, bone miser, and uh, cards like shadow of the grave and bag of holding that allow you to return to your hand all cards that have been discarded this turn so the idea is you get into a situation where you necropotence for 30 and then either you've got bone miser out or um you discard bone miser and then reanimate him and then uh even if you don't have a discard outlet you can just go to your end step and then discard all the things and hold priority while the, the the necropotence triggers for exiling all those things have gone off and then uh, draw a whole bunch of cards get a whole bunch of mana cast you know shadow of the grave to bring all those cards back up to your hand and then you know continue going and uh, in some cases you either you know just exhaust your entire library doing that or you know you just put together uh, an oracle and one of the consultations and you know Corpse Dance is one of those things that you have so much black mana mm-hmm. uh, when when you're when when the engine's doing the thing that um, it's 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 like you have infinite black mana basically. So Corpse Dance allows you to arbitrarily put any creatures you want, you know, from your library basically onto the battlefield because you discard them and then uh, reanimate. So um, being able to put Oracle onto the battlefield is you know uh, just as as simple so uh we're running this is also doing a reanimation package kind of thing so Mm -hmm. uh being able to put bone miser directly onto the battlefield um is easier uh if we can reanimate it in some in some cases rather than uh, doing some of the other uh you know hoops towards actually hard casting it or, you know, doing the, the instant speed reanimation. Right. Um, but we, we also have Consecrated Sphinx and Villas Broker of Blood. Um, Villas is excellent in this capacity uh, just because we tend to have an abundance of black mana um, when we're doing the thing. And uh, it's tremendous value when we're, when Villas is just on the battlefield and you're, you know, just, picking off individual creatures. Yeah. Um, but if you've got a whole bunch of, you know, you you discard three lands and get six mana and then turn that into 12 cards, then um, it very, very easily snowballs and it is not hard to, to put together a win in those circumstances. Right. One of the fun things with this list that um, I think is so beautiful is Urza Saga is a direct tutor to your uh, bag of holding in this yes. list too. Mm-hmm. That is one of the things that it does. It also, um, Chains of Mephistopheles uh, acts, so so the the way that you, you use Bone Miser, either you have a discard outlet or you use an end step, similar to Gitrog sculpting, um, or you can use Chains of Mephistopheles as well because Chains of Mephistopheles will give you the discard as a, re- as a replacement effect over your draw. 
and those things will actually chain. So if you discard a card and then you get a draw from your your bone miser, that draw is then replaced with a discard and then another draw, which allows you to continue feeding cards and uh, not actually needing to have a, a a specialized or you know specific discard outlet. And so you're you're getting the benefits of having chains of Mephistopheles uh, in a disruptive context, but it's also allowing you to combo off too. I, I, I love I, it. What a spicy engine. I'm going to just call that uh, get sans green get rog now. Right. That just. Uh. Uh. <laughs> so would you say that this build is much more, say, uh, air quotes, shimmer oriented than most, um, most of these others are builds? It it could be. I mean, it could definitely run. It's not running shimmers or but it could uh, just because it wants to go so deep on the necros because it, it really is one of those where um, you you either want to wheel with Notion Thief or do a really deep necro or get Villas onto the battlefield and get a whole bunch of cards. Um, when, one of those... Go ahead. Sorry, one, one piece of tech that more might be more middling in that way, uh, Scout's Warning, I think, is, is something that I was looking at when I was thinking about uh, Zer's potential shimmer here. Uh, it's a cantrip for white. Uh, it draws a card um, and it lets you play a creature as though it had flash. You can either use it to flash in Zer end step or you can use it during your Necropotence turns to uh, most specifically play, put a Thassa's Oracle onto the board. Um, but also yeah. if you're you're able to sneak out your Bone Miser um, into your eventual uh, cleanup step draw um, with Bone Miser, I think that uh, that might be a pretty powerful engine to let you go for more uh, and step lines. Yeah, that's actually really cool. I wouldn't have considered that card in this context. See, um, you're going to see some like some on the fly brewing as we're <laughs> as we're doing this episode. Yeah, I see you've got you've got Shallow Grave, which works with an instant speed and tomb and a lot of other things here. So right. I think this build is like pretty close to being able to shimmer a little harder than, say, these other builds that aren't really building right. around that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the last deck that we're going to take a look at here today um, is Shapers All In Console Shift uh, Divining Witch. It's running them all. Uh, it, it, so we're, you're calling this Console Shift, sir. So uh, break this deck down a little bit for us. So this is kind of an amalgamation of a lot of different ideas that uh, went into the other builds. Um, this is the build I'm probably most excited about and would most likely look to play uh, myself. Um, we're a little bit more disruptive than the Zerk Quasi Turbo deck. Um, we're playing a few extra hate bears. We're playing countertop, uh, a few other things. The important is the, I guess the spicy thing about this build is that we're playing uh, specifically Paradigm Shift and Divining Witch as extra mechanisms to uh, exert a consult combo um, when uh, when we're looking at Necropotence cards. So the extra consult density is actually really valuable as you uh, take that one extra turn um, in order to seal out the game in a way that I think the other build, um, it doesn't struggle to close out, but there's less, there's just less access to uh, Tainted Pact and Consult 
um, in those builds than I think what we're going on, what's going on here. Um, one of the one of the important interactions here is that uh, what Paradigm Shift does is it removes all the cards in your library from the game and shuffles your graveyard into your library. Um, if you're able to combine that with Azure Swing for Rest in Peace, it just becomes uh, you know two mana empty your library. Right. Um, also, this build is very equipped to uh, it, it both plays a plays a deafening silence itself, but it's also very equipped to play around rule of law with laboratory maniac in the build. Um, and so divining which uh, basically allows us to uh, use a creature activated ability and basically consult out without actually casting a spell, um, either by using our draw step or casting a single Thassa's Oracle. Um, it also kind of layers with uh, the lightning greaves that we have in the build as well. Um, that's come up a few times and has been quite spicy. Um, one thing that's well, a few things that are really not obvious about Divining Witch that I find really interesting um, are, is that it is a one card combo itself. So once your Divining Witch comes off Summoning Sickness or you equip Lightning Gears to it, um, you can find Thassa's Oracle uh, on, on an end step, untap and play the Thassa's Oracle. Um, and if it resolves, you can then activate your Divining Witch in response and mill out your library. So it, it itself finds the the oracle that it wins with, which I think is a pretty interesting property of it. Um, and the other thing is that um, what's happening right now is we're we're ending up playing, we're ending up seeing a lot of creatures that uh, exert some kind of rattlesnake disruptive uh, force. So, um, I would say uh, Ranger Captain of Eos is is one of one of them that's really popular right now. Uh, the new uh, Malevolent Hermit is another um, that they just kind of sit on the board and people can't quite combo into them um, because you can't you can't counterspell their activation. Uh, they just kind of sit there and stare at you and that lets you grind a little bit. Um, so Divining Witch actually exerts some similar force there where um, if you are holding up a Divining Witch activation um, with with a little bit of politicking and uh, some some resolve and some really tactful use of it, you can you can threaten to uh, stop people's wins. And so it's it's a little harder to just kind of combo into the divining witch in the same regard. Right. So it, it exerts a little bit of a disruptive force there too. It feels almost similar to how Hermit Druid plays, uh, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it also layers very well with Hermit Druid. Uh, it's a little bit of foreshadowing. Oh boy, foreshadowing. And, yeah, well, uh, I'm looking <laughs> to publish some some builds soon. Oh boy. Be on the lookout, everybody. Um, so now, uh, just kind of taking a moment here of looking kind of a broad strokes at all of our lists together here um, in looking at the Planeswalkers that we're all playing. Uh, only two of the lists are playing Planeswalkers. Uh, the Zerquasi Turbo list is playing Jace and Zerector is playing Jace and Soren. Um Obviously, we've kind of explained those. They're wind cons and sword layers uh, with a lot of that stuff. Uh, looking at the creatures here, creatures that we're all playing um, is Dothy Voidwalker, Draineth Magistrate, and Esper Sentinel. And Cobble, if you want to, well, speak to for a moment on how we're all playing that and why those are just uniquely good cards that should probably be in every deck uh, that we're doing along these uh, lines, right? Sure. So Esper Sentinel is often compared to a Mystic Remora. It's not the same effect, but it winds up uh, dovetailing very well with Heliod, and it winds up uh, just 
accruing a ton of value and uh, the fact that it doesn't have an upkeep cost is, uh, you know, just, it, it's a really, it's one of those cards that it, it was evaluated positively when it was first. But know, we still uh, under-evaluated it. <laughs> yes. Um, I didn't. It, I was it, preaching it as the best card in the set. Sorry, Pongo and Ravagon, but. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it definitely outshined the expectations. Yeah. Um, so it's just one of those things where um, if you play blue, you play Mystic Remora. If you play white, um, you should probably play Esper Sentinel. There's really very few circumstances where you wouldn't. Dranith Magistrate is is just the same um, for lists that require access to uh, their commanders, like Xur. Um you know, having a Dranith Magistrate is just another layer of stipulation that you need to get through before you can get to your game plan. And it also disrupts people who are on Breach and Yogwill and uh, various other uh, types of strategies that are looking to uh, cast things that aren't necessarily in hand, uh, like Praetor's Grasp and so on. So um, it's just a very um, threatening card because it is highly disruptive in in it's a asyn- it's it, it's asymmetric so um it doesn't affect you and mm-hmm. that's one of those things that i think just pushes it way way over the top um and voidwalker is one of those it's a new addition and each of our lists is approach is approaching it kind of in a different way um i there some of the lists that are you know looking at chains of mephistopheles and trying to uh, you know, maybe do a wheel and strip everybody's hand and that kind of thing. Uh, Voidwalker does. Voidwalker only cares that cards are going into people's graveyards. It doesn't right. care how it gets there. If it gets milled there, if it gets discarded, or if someone casts a spell. And it just winds up being so good just because someone's going to play something that's worthwhile. And in a lot of cases, you know, maybe it's a counter spell or maybe it's an ad nause or, you know, there, there's it's just so flexible. Um, the longer it sits on the table, the, the, the more powerful it becomes. And uh, specifically, if people are weaponizing hand you know, control, um, it gets just that much better. Mm-hmm. But I think that even if you're not, it's it's just a, a, a very strong card that isn't on everyone's radar just yet. Right. It also pairs really well with chains. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it does. That's funny. So, Shaper, when you're looking at this, you've got some lists, some cards that are a little bit uh, more unique than uh, the than all the other ones. Of course, I probably have the most unique cards in mind, uh, having all of the uh, you know, the carrion feeders, the ranger captains, recruiters, all that jazz. Um, but, you know, thoughts behind, you know, why we're playing Hushbringer and Devoted Caretaker and those sorts of cards. Um, so uh, Hushbringer is kind of important to plug up the dockside holes. Um, we are not really hating on artifacts in the Xur Stacks list, which is which is the only list that I currently have uh, Hushbringer in. Um so one common play pattern people will use to play around stacks is they'll uh, they'll find their dockside, which can enable them to uh, you know put a lot of things on the board and start valuing out. Um, we really do want to plug those holes. We want to we want to plug up any chance of you know the attainted pack oracle happening through our rule of law. Um, 
it, it stops it stops a bunch of things that are just kind of problematic to us. Um, does it? Uh, it does it pretty well. Right. It's interesting to look at some of the cards that were in several of the lists, but not all of them. And uh, I, I have to say, I'm proud of you, uh, uh, Cobblepot, for in both of your lists, you included Lavinia. That's right. Um, <laughs> and I'm disappointed Lavinia, in you, Shaper. And, sorry. And early, and early Lavinia um, is, is very, very powerful the, the faster your metagame is, just because of the... Uh, the way that it binds people uh, to their their land drops and uh, the way that it interacts with both Moxon and uh, free counter spells and free interaction. Um, it's very, very disruptive. I don't think it's great as a commander, but um, it's it's a great hate bear <laughs> to, to, to drop. <laughs> It's a fine commander. Leave me alone. I just, <laughs> uh, I just need one good blue win con in the deck is golden. <laughs> so some of the reason I'm not playing Lavinia is that um, in a lot of these cases, I personally want people's free interaction to be up. Um, sometimes it's used to protect their combos, and that's unfortunate. But um, in any case, it's it tends to be a, a three versus one kind of thing where there are three people trying to stop one person from comboing. And if you nuke all of their free interaction, sometimes it'll slip through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not personally a huge fan of of uh, of doing that without like some kind of without there being some path of recourse for that. Um, I also uh, tend to move uh, to not value super highly stacks pieces that do scale off. Um, I personally like I, I, I tend to prioritize slots that will kind of do the same thing through the whole game. Um, that's that's like one of the reasons I don't run blind obedience as um, as tech that, that cobbles running. Not that those things aren't powerful and don't get you to the point of the game where, uh, you know, it is more easy to control the board. It is important to have those kind of early interactive pieces, but um, it's just it's just not what I had slots for. How does it feel to be just so up, uh, horrifically wrong? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for for those of you who are listening, I've, if you can't tell, I'm being very sarcastic. But oh, um, you know, it's it's interesting here, and this is this is a card that I want to want to talk about. I think it's actually underplayed. Is Dark Confidant? Why is nobody else playing Bob? Um, mostly I, I think because uh, it's a struggle to play him out with one of your early turns and not just die. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to you have to use your early turns to be disruptive, and he gets worse the less turns he can see his trigger. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's one of the things holding him back. I think it did make a lot of sense in your Rector build where you're running um, some things that demand you run some extra creatures. Uh, mm-hmm. You're running like Culling the Weak and uh, Diabolic Intent. It's not necessary to necessarily run Bob, but uh, having some density of ways to do that I think is good. And I think that a lot of the builds that are playing those kind of cards might be running a few too few creatures yeah no that's fair i just i i keep seeing people drop bob from their like mid-range decks and it it blows my mind i'm like this is like the best way to to gain card advantage um yeah there are very few two-mana draw engines yeah so looking down here at our sorceries you know we're all on demonic tutor imperial seal 
um, looking at some of the more unique sort of things. I'm obviously on diabolic intent. I run more creatures than everybody else. Um, but it, it's interesting to kind of look at where some of the overlap is here in shaper when you when we kind of look at all these lists and we we look at where the overlap lies you know what kind of pops out to you as being uh interesting as as far as that goes um i think winds of abandon is one that i think is pretty typical as of now um but makes sense in the places that we've played it here um uh a mark graved and diabolic intent also have like very like it's it's more difficult to put them in the build, but they're very powerful when you are able to enable them. Right. Um, I'm proud of us for mostly playing ponder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I yell at everybody who cuts that card. Nobody, but n- there's there's a lot of people who aren't playing, and even both of you have builds that you know you're not running uh, Jataxian probe, right? Cobble and either of yours. Right. This is true. Um, I think there's uh, there's something we said about um, the presence of Esper Sentinel, making mm-hmm. it a little a little more difficult to play Gitaxian Probe for free. Right. Um, right. Uh, also, if if you're trying to do a, a Staxier build, especially if uh, Rule of Law is one of your cornerstones, your cantrips right. are going to be much lower <laughs> value. There also is an uptick of, of rule of law because it does uh, tend to hose some of the more fragile builds that are seeing a lot of play. Mm-hmm. Um, one sorcery I'd want to emphasize right now is mnemonic betrayal. Um, right. It is very powerful, if especially uh, contingent on what your meta is doing. If they're running rituals themselves, uh, it, sometimes it will just ritual out everybody's graveyard, and that usually just ends the game. Right. Um, it also it also is uh, really interesting that mnemonic betrayal uh, gets through cage, which um, yeah, I'm, playing, I'm playing in a lot of a lot of builds. So you can play cage to stop people's breach, and all of their graveyard fuel engines end up fueling your mnemonic betrayal, which I think is uh, kind of a powerful uh, way of circumnavigating some of the stuff that's going on. Right. Um, I must get around Draneth Magistrate. No, it does not. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at some of the instants here, Cobble, um, you know, we've got a lot of overlap. Everybody's playing Dark Rich. Everybody's playing uh, Demonic Consultation. You know, a lot of the stuff that you would uh, see as sort of the common, uh, you know, things that you see in a lot of builds like this. Um, Where are the areas in these instant suites that kind of... um, Perk your ears up a little bit as being a little more interesting. Um, one of the things that that I like is is that um, every list except for the two stacks lists has mind break trap, which is not something that you would have seen maybe even six months ago. Um, it's it's nice to see that card uh, getting more action, mm-hmm. and it's it's one of those things that's I, I think been underplayed. And it's it's cool to see people warming to that card. Um, I picked mine up just the other day. Right. Nice. Looking, I mean, a lot of this looks just you know, there's it. It's very um, staply. I'll, I'll have to say, is you know, it, you're in blue and black. A lot of your your instants are going to you know, it's, it's pretty much defined 
you know, what the, everyone's going to be on, a, you know, a certain set of, of, of counter magic. So you're, you know, seeing force of will across the, uh, you know, seeing mental misstep and seeing swan song, everyone's on vampiric tutor. So it's just um, a lot of this stuff is almost, almost rote where it's right. like, well, you know, these are the cards that you play. Um, so I see that, uh, I think three of our builds are on, uh, Dovin's veto. No, four mm-hmm. of our builds are on Dovin's veto. Um, how are you guys feeling about that specifically? Um, kind of in, in vision of a lot of people deciding that two mana counter spells aren't quite where they want to be. Um, I think Dovin's veto is really good in rule of law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it the 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 color does make it complicated. It it makes it harder. It's harder to hold up, you know, two specific colors of mana rather than right. a blue and whatever. So I I get why it doesn't see maybe as much play as it could. Um but the ability to answer something in a way that can't be refuted is is just really strong i think kind of my feeling on it uh when i when i look at the list that you know i'm going to be playing those sorts of things in is at my two mana counter or counter slot um i have been advocating for people to just play counter spells still like i (laughs) It sounds crazy. I, I think Dovin's Veto is very good, but I think right now there is a need for versatile and more general counter magic than there ever has been because people have been for the past year so greedy with the amount of counter magic that they run um, and the amount of interaction that they run uh, to the point where people are cutting mana drain from lists. And, you know, I I feel like a lot of decks are able to just kind of do whatever they want without a lot of pushback. Um, And so I feel like the issue I have with Dovin's Veto is um, outside of like Lavinia, outside of maybe Xur, and I kind of leave it out of here for basically like a density sort of thing, right? Um, Is it just it's hard to get white and blue, I feel like. Um, and especially to pay two mana for a non-creature counter, uh, feels in my opinion, not as good as just a counter spell personally. That's reasonable. Yeah. A lot of it might depend on, on what you're facing. If you're facing primarily, uh, non-creature win cons, it might become more attractive to say hard no to things like breach. Right. That's very um, true. Um, I, I also I also do want to emphasize something Cobble said in that it is very good under rule of laws. Yes. Um, I just, it just it's a it's a counter that scales really well. And I think that if you're planning on, on going to turn four, turn five, turn six, uh you, you kind of do want at least a few things that can, can just say hard no. Right. Right. I yeah, I think that's fair. Um the longer you go, people are going to accumulate more and more protection for whatever win con and 
Also, not then, having not having the counterspell war uh, is actually quite nice. If they know that they are just not going to be able to resolve their thing, they will keep the rest of the counters in their hand and hopefully use them on other things. Right. It keeps it from being one of those where one player tries to go for it, everyone exhausts their resources, and the next player wins. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it helps to balance those situations from happening. Right. For what it's worth, I'm not saying I think it's bad. I just think that we should probably as a um, community in these more interactive decks, uh, maybe consider also playing counterspell um, just, just because I manage Yeah. Like at least <laughs> manager. Guys. Like, come on. Um, I, I just, I, I don't get it. I, I really don't. I think that people have, I'm not going to get on this soapbox, but I think people have just gone, so far down this ad nauseum rabbit hole uh, to the point where they've completely lost sight of like, there's other things out there that get played fairly often and you need to have more versatile interaction than just miscast. I do think as a result, stacks has kind of bitten back. Um, a lot of these decks aren't uh, the most resilient due to a lot of these, these kind of cuts and shifts and stuff. Yeah. And always trying to greed over other people's greed. Um and so sometimes a, a stack deck with just a couple pieces can can come in and cause a lot of problems. I mean, I, I, I've gone into Turbo Nosmetas with Lavinia and like racked up wins. And I, I've said this before is I don't feel like a, a good decks. What I would define as good decks should not be that easily disrupted by my Lavinia deck that should not be racking up multiple wins like that. Um, but um looking on down as we look at the artifact pieces here a lot of us are on a lot of the same stuff the big the big difference here is is there is a decision by both of you guys in all of your lists to play jeweled lotus and i am playing the lightest amount of artifacts in my list um so when we look at jeweled lotus i have a hard time with jeweled lotus in these decks but cobble explain jeweled lotus in uh zur and really what it does i mean so the one of the things that that you that if you're comparing zur to a partner pair that has the same colors the partner pair is going to be more agile because you can get one of those partners out demonstrably faster you know, a lot of times turn one, you can get one of your partners onto the battlefield. Um, whereas Zur can't until you've assembled three different colors. Mm-hmm. And Jeweled Lotus is just an extra way to get one of those colors and the colorless mana that you need. So it it saves you a turn or two in some cases in being able to get Zur down. And depending on how dependent your list is on having Zur in play, it makes a big difference. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'll also say that um, choosing to play Zur over, say, a four-color shell or a five-color shell, um, choosing to give up colors, especially red right now, um, does sort of indicate that you want to lean into your commander um, as a niche. And I think um, from what I've gathered from from doing all this brewing and getting to play Zer a little bit a little bit more, Zer is incredibly powerful, and uh, just anything that puts him on the board, uh, you know, two mana faster and enables you to have two mana more, um, is just sort of really valuable in terms of uh, executing these uh, these plans that are built around him. 
Right. So, uh, obviously, we look at some of the decks. Obviously, Zerbag's the only one playing Bag of Holding. Um, but, of course, you're playing... Maybe a mistake. El- <laughs> What'd you say? I said maybe a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, with LED Cobble, that's, you're the only one playing LED. Are you still able to do LED shenanigans with uh, Razaketh? Like, what is, what is the line with LED in this, that list? I mean, the, the idea is that as long as you have creatures on the battlefield, they're an extension of your hand. So you can use LED to, um, you know, get the mana that you need and then grab, you know, whatever you need into your hand after doing that with Razaketh to be able to put together your combo. So there's... It, it's it's got flexibility in that manner. Um, it, it also has flexibility in uh, being a discard outlet um, in some circumstances because of the fact that this is a reanimator list. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got Razaketh in hand or, you know, Elish Norn in hand or one of those sorts of circumstances, there there's there's situations where uh, being able to to get those into play um, or you know, into the graveyard so that you can get them into play is, is is beneficial. And there's also the situation with Chains of Mephistopheles when you've stripped everybody's hands and you don't really care um, that you're going to discard your hand because you don't have a hand to, right. to begin with. Um, so in the uh, more traditional Razaketh build, we have a line in which we... Uh, we use Luris to recur our LED. We sacrifice Luris to Razaketh to go get a reanimate, which will reanimate Luris, allowing us to play LED again. And that lets you loop up mana with uh, with your reanimates that are cheaper than three. Um, did you did you consider at all using utilizing that line? Uh, I know it has. I, some- I did consider Luris, um, and it might be a mistake that I'm not running it uh, because I I did consider it. Uh, for that line and for for a couple of other recursion lines um, that are in that list, but uh, that may be one of the things that I change in the future. So one thing that I'm noticing about Luris in the Razakets build is that uh, it's actually very strong with Ranger of Captain Vios and uh, the new Malevolent Hermit, um, and also Void Walker. Um, so these hate bears that that we're kind of running that let us uh, you know sacrifice them for some some strong value uh, are actually really strong with Luris and can kind of help you grind or recur uh, stacks pieces that are destroyed. So it might it might be worth an angle. Or it might be an angle worth considering. For sure. Interesting. Uh, looking down here at the enchantments, uh, no surprise, every list is playing Necropotence and Rhystic Study. Um, but of course, you know, we look across this, a lot of people, you know, Shaper, we've talked about this before, um, but really, how good is Grasp of Fate in Azure list? Honestly, it's 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 almost essential to me. If you, if Zer is any part of your any central part of your game plan, uh, you really just want to have some kind of removal that that will uh, uh, enable you to to execute your combo after Necropotence because you you really don't have time to just sit around and dirtle uh, once you actually have a Necropotence on the board and you're burning through your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so you actually like you know if there's a removal on play and there's one other piece that's preventing you from from doing what you need to do, spending a whole turn cycle removing it is actually you're taking so much damage doing that. Um, so having having a mechanism to, to remove uh, either critical value engines or uh, stack species that exist um, is, is just uh, 
uh, pretty essential to the game plan, I think. Yeah, and that's that's a card that we're playing in all of them. And so uh, I, I feel pretty safe saying I think that it's a Zer staple, a Zer essential piece, right? Mm-hmm. Like it should be. Yeah. Um, Cobble, when you look at these lists um, and you look at a lot of the similarities, um, there's there's some some cards that I think they're very interesting that I want to touch on, and one of them is from Shaper's Build, which is Artificer's Intuition. And do you think with Artificer's Intuition, is there room for that card, perhaps not only just in this in a Zer shell in general, but also perhaps outside of that as being a really strong uh, card to help you know enable some of these combos? Yes in certain decks um i think that a lot of lists that want to tutor up very specific artifacts Mm -hmm. have things like transmute artifact and you know uh reshape and you know those those types of cards um were were of invention um this i think fits very well into zur artificers and artificers intuition um, just because Zer can just go find it, and then it becomes a toolbox. Right. And uh, I think that having such low opportunity cost of just knowing that Zer can just look it up whenever you need it, if you need to go and get your ballista to end the game, or if you need to go and get uh, a, a specific answer to a specific threat, um, having that flexibility is great. And um, I the other lists that would play it because of its restriction it's it's not a it's not a survival of the fittest it's very similar to survival but it's not quite because you know having that limitation of of one mana uh is significant right so the for for hate bear lists that are in blue that you know want to be able to toolbox and want to be able to specify very specific answers to very specific problems I think that it's useful. Um, I think it's more useful in Zer just because Zer can guarantee that you get it. Right. Looking down here as we kind of wrap things up at the, you know, the land, uh, the mana bases, uh, everybody's pretty much pretty identical. A little bit of little bit of difference here or there. Um, but the, the one thing, Shaper, as we kind of leave here um, that I do want to touch on, and I talked about this briefly earlier, is how good Urza Saga really is in these decks. Um, It's quite strong, especially as a lot of our builds are looking at cards like um, uh, Graf Digger's Cage, for Mm -hmm. example. Um, Graf Digger's Cage stops breach combos, and uh, it's kind of, I think, underemphasized how strong the green tutors are, especially at enabling Dockside, uh, Neoform, and Eldritch Evolution specifically. Um... Being able to shut off those kind of lines uh, is just really strong, especially if uh, we're not concerned about inhibiting our own win cons or value engines in really many ways at all. Right. Um, it's it's just really it's a really flexible card, um, and our color requirements aren't such that we're too upset about playing a couple colorless utility lands. Um, and being able to pull it on Zer is just gravy. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, as you know, that kind of wraps things up here for us today. Shaper, when we, thank you for joining us with this uh, kind of exercise in brewing. Uh, what were kind of some of your takeaways from it? Sir is still really powerful. 
Would you um, say it's I, an A-tier commander? <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I may put it together in paper myself. Yeah. I have I, a I really nice artist cool. proof that I absolutely would love to use again. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Cobble, what what was kind of your takeaway from this this exercise? Very much the same. Uh, that the I think the misconception that Zer is outmoded because it doesn't have red or because it's a three mana commander or a three color commander. Uh, those those rationalizations don't hold up, and I think that. So normally, normally when we do these brewers corners, you know, there's there's only each of us does one list, and Shaper's like, well, I've I've, I've got four, <laughs> so I so I was like, okay, I'll make two, and you know, ha- just the breadth of approaches that we have here. Right. I mean, we we have the semi quasi turbo. We got a couple of stacks. There's a rector list. There's a taking turns list. There's you know. Uh, shift deck it the the fact that we can use her in so many different ways and this was just us over you know like a week coming up with different ideas uh it 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 reveals that there's a lot of exploration maybe that people haven't uh taken and there's there's new directions that we can maybe push zer that could challenge the metagame in interesting ways. Right. Well, uh, I am really excited to see uh, if people start brewing a little bit, and I'm excited to see where our brews go. Um, Shaper, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your day to come and hang out with us and talk about Zer. Um, as far as stuff that you're doing right now, um, what's going on? What are some things that you're uh up to in the community um right now we are uh sorry um right now we're working on expanding our leagues um on the ceh server uh we have virtual lgs every week we have lots of events come check us out um, I'm also working on conquest stuff. Uh, we're going strong. We are on season four of our leagues now. Um, it, it's been a lot of fun. There's a lot of variety. Um, I'm also working on tons of different CDH brews kind of behind the scenes. Um, I'm really excited about Hermit Druid right now. Uh, <laughs> it seems like every list that I have sticks in Hermit Druid. Um, but uh, I'm hoping to publish some stuff on that pretty soon. Um, we're just we're just vibing mostly. Awesome. Do those do those lists run two different hermits? <laughs> they do. Most of them. Most yes. of them do. Mm-hmm. I have been seeing uh, people doing Sans Black Hermit Druid lists, and those I've been pushing that pretty hard. Uh, you may have seen my Paco Druid list. I have. <laughs> I, I saw an Akira. Well, I think it was Thrasios Bruce. Uh, hermit druid list uh that was running around and uh it's very interesting to watch how uh people are really getting uh excited to brew around a lot of different stuff i cobble i don't know about you and i don't know about you shaper but i i I love brewing so yeah absolutely (laughs) but yeah so outside of black would those be using savian's reclamation um sometimes i actually uh 
I really like just running Memory's Journey into uh, either Thassa's Oracle or Breach. Um, you can also play as up to three copies of Memory's Journey um, for redundancy. Uh, it basically enables you to circumvent the need for Narcomoeba and that sort of thing. Right. Um, there, there's also, uh, I'll, I guess I'll just spoil it. There's an optimization to uh, the what I would consider like the fastest Hermit Druid pile. Um, normally what you would do is you would mill your deck, you have Hermit Druid in play, an Archimeba comes out of your deck, and you either unearth a Fate Stitcher or play a land to reanimate a Bloodgast, which gives you the three creatures that you need to Dread Return. So um, really, Fate Stitcher tends to be the pick because Bloodgast is a little bit inconsistent. So the pile ends up costing green and blue to execute the Hermit Druid activation and the Fate Stitcher unearth. Um, then you can Dread Return. Uh, with uh, with what we have right now, if you mill out with Hermit Druid on your upkeep and you Memory's Journey back a reanimate, uh, your pile just costs green black and you're not really playing any of the uh, kind of accessory cards like Narcomoeba, so you can keep your uh, uh, your card quality really high while also enabling really fast Hermit Druid piles. That's awesome. Interesting. Well, I'm excited to see where the, all of this goes. Uh, excited to see the list and all of that. Um, so, but thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, you're one of the legends. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Great having you. Well, that about wraps things up for us here today. Just a quick reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at Sculpty Boys, B-O-I-S, or you can find a direct link to our Twitter accounts, uh, in the link tree in the description below. You can also find a direct link to all of our mox fields, all the Scalpy Boy mox fields. So if you want to keep up on what we're working on, uh, you can check that out down there as well. I want to also give an extra shout out to all of our patrons who help keep the lights on. If you too would like to become a patron, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors or check out the link in the description. Also make sure to hit the like button, help the algorithm out. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Um, and thanks to everybody who uh, has supported us uh, for through everything. Really appreciate you. Um, thanks again for joining us and from all of us here at the Mind Sculptors. I'm Callahan, and we'll see you next time. I'm in line with the stars. I'm in sync with the earth. Ten toes deep, flower child from the turf. I never switch sides. Like, even when I die, I'm a ride for the squad. Let our ties in the hearse. I've been on a vibe kind of hard to describe. I'm in between. I'm good and it's fine, but I'm tired of the grind. Then I come alive in the night to realize I'm in the middle of the time of my life. I never so packed for the stack, never lied on the back. Got a bag from the way that I write it. Queen looking Tyson. Who that I survived doing 80 to the house. Then I hit it to the sky, changed haters on a tirade. Talking to the grip and the face, be still like that hate stuff fade. We all with the same. We all want a meal in the safe. I want to live like I'm trying to get lightning. Trail spill from my lips, feel big from the bit. Take a sip till I pass out. Try and get grip, but it don't make sense. Cause you can lose life on this fast route. Yeah, turn thoughts to a cash cow. I might flip that to the glass house. I don't need the accolades, I'm in love with the chase. I just wanna eat, save a spot at the table. Beast with the slap, hit myself on the map. You long with the wind, but we knowing that it's cap. Five hour flights, couple nights at the flat. To be real, could you see me making moves while I'm at? I'm still on the grind, every time when I chat. I'm burning down sage, keep the demons away. When I ready, give a piece of myself to the Do it at me, old man, trying to pass in the fear. You're the first one to talk, but the last one to hear eyes.